What's up, Lions of Liberty fans? You can now support this show on Patreon and get exclusive access to bonus audio and video content, including Conspiracy Corner, Degenerate Gamblers, bonus segments with guests, and so much more. Head on over to patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Oh yeah, oh yeah, what is happening? My little liberty dumplings, my hatchlings, my little chickadees hatching out of your little yellow and black shells, presumably. Maybe they're purple. Our lions, <laughs> libertarian purple. Hello, hello. I am Brian McWilliams. Welcome to the show. This is episode number 83. Hopefully, I will have the show notes up sometime early tomorrow because I am recording this in uh, a truncated fashion. I've been moving into my new house. I'm recording in my new home in what will be my studio. I still need to do a little bit of decking out here, get it video ready put up some posters, etc. put up that nice signed edition of Liberty Force from Johnny Rocket of the uh, Johnny Adams of the Johnny Rocket, formerly Johnny Rocket Launchpad. Now I just think it's called God damn it, what is it called? Rocket Fuel. <laughs> sorry. Johnny, if you're listening, man, I'm sorry. You just changed the name and I can't remember what it is. But make sure you do check him out and check out Liberty Force. It's really a, a cool comic book and he was so kind as to send me the first issue signed, sealed and delivered. So I'm just going to burn through a few topics because I have had no time to really dive into the news. I've just been moving, uh, which is the biggest goddamn nightmare in the world, and dealing with, before that, of course, dealing with closing on the house, going through the trials and tribulations of thinking you get a house, not getting it, thinking you get it again, then being told, oh, no, you can't have the house because you have too many credits. Too many credits! They're trying to give me too much money back. And Big Daddy government says, no go. If you can fucking believe that shit. This is a true story, by the way. My wife and I got some credits back from the lender in order to pay down some debt, in order to refinance later on. I don't need to go into the whole thing. But a uh, good deal for us makes it easier for us to, uh, to refinance and uh, get rid of some things we want to get rid of. And on top of that, we got a credit from our seller, the house. She had agreed basically to give us about $5,000 for a sewer that we needed to get fixed. Great. Get that line plumbed out. Wonderful. We're looking forward to getting that money, offset some of the costs, put it in later, fix it up. So what ended up happening is that because of the financial regulatory bullshit that the government put into place after the financial collapse, which again was mostly due to the government lowering the standards of loans and the Department of Housing telling people, oh, you know what? You need to give people cheaper, more affordable loans. We want poor people to get houses, to live the American dream. And don't worry, we'll come in and we'll back those up. Don't worry, Fannie Mac and Freddie Mae or whatever the fuck they are. They'll come in. They'll back all your loans. No danger, guys. Go for it. So that, of course, crashes the goddamn system. Housing bubble pops. And they put all these regulations in place that limit what lenders can do as far as giving credits to people. And who does this help? Nobody. Who does it hurt? People like me that are first-time homebuyers, that are just trying to save money, that have good credit, that can afford the house, that have been vetted, 
and just want to get a little bit better of a deal to help us out. And no, can't do it. There's a limit on how many credits you can get from a lender now because fuck them. This is always the unintended consequences of these regulations. It never, ever actually stops what they're trying to stop. All it does is bleed into hurt people who are legitimately trying to get a home, who want to get a good deal, have a a, a well-financed agreement with their lender, and get some money back from the seller for fixes. But no, we can't do that anymore because, you know, we have to protect people from themselves. We can't allow the we can't allow the banks to run wild after all. It's the same thing with gun regulation or anything. The people that it hurts are the people that are actually doing the things right. The people that are going to go and break the law are going to frivolously give loans to people are going to do that no matter what. They're going to skirt the rules. They're going to find ways around it no matter what you do. So just putting these regulations, it just hurts the average Joe. Hurts me, hurts you listening to this podcast. So aggravating. So anyway, long story short, though, all finished getting a a check outside the system, dodging around the system here. And uh, we think now that we'll be able to do the refinance just like we wanted, all that stuff. So great. But in the meantime, I am here. I've been dealing with nothing but installers and callers and everything else, trying to get my work done for my actual career, trying to... Ah, just had been a mess. So anyway, long story short, had no time. Um, so I'm just going to talk about a few things. First things, I just want to go into this Trump-Cohen thing very briefly. It, I, why is this a story? I mean, for Christ's sake, I didn't care. I was like, what, maybe 12 to 15. I don't even remember when Bill Clinton was going through the whole scandal with Monica Lewinsky. And that was something that had occurred in the White House where she gave him a beach. Okay. That should be something where, you know, even at the time, I didn't care. I don't care. If somebody voluntarily wants to do that to you and it's in the White House, I don't give two flying dams, man. I could not care less. Tell me about your policy. I don't care what your policy is as far as keeping your penis in your pants is. I don't care what your policy is on staying truthful and faithful to your wife is. I don't care. If I didn't care with Bill Clinton, I don't care now with Donald Trump when a guy wasn't even in office and pays off a uh, supermodel $150,000, which, damn, man. I mean, that's some, that's some impressive hush money. But, I mean, I guess that's what it costs to, to, to bang a Playboy Playmate these days. I don't know what the running, I don't know what the running market rate is. Um, but, you know, that girl, is, maybe she's setting the market rate. And Donald Trump could afford it. Good on you, Donald. Good on making a lot of money, man. <laughs> Kudos. I wish I could do the same thing, right? Give me, give me an extra $200,000 to go spray it around on some uh, some Playboy prostitute. Sounds like a deal. But, what, you know, this these Cohen tapes, who cares? Donald Trump, you could barely understand a thing he's saying on him. CNN keeps playing him. It's like all you hear is him trying to order a Coke. It's like none of it, none of it is damning. None of it is illegal. I, I don't get it. It's like check or charge or cash or charge is the the whole debate they're having. And isn't it illegal in the first place? I mean, the guy's a lawyer and he's recording Donald Trump, his client. That's illegal. And then we're supposed to believe that. So I, and I don't even know what's happening here where, where the FBI raided his offices. So they took everything in there, but yet Cohen's got these and released them to CNN, you know, and Dave Smith had postured this. I mean, did the FBI in fact leak these to CNN? Would that surprise anyone at this point? And it's just, you know, like everything else, it's a big nothing burger in regards to media coverage of Donald Trump. And, you know, we had posted this on the Facebook page and shared it on our uh, our social medias, but MSNBC 
to this date has done something like 480 stories on Stormy Daniels, another who gives a flying fuck story, and zero stories on Yemen, zero stories on the proxy war and all the children being murdered by virtue of the United States supporting Saudi Arabia in this, this proxy war. But that's the society we live in. And I'm sure that the Yemen, the Yemen uh, genocide that's ongoing at our behest will continue. And instead of talking about that, we're going to talk about the next Donald Trump sex scandal. And, you know, even The Onion is mocking this. The Onion you know, posted an article today I saw. It says, Michael Cohen promises more damaging recordings of Trump already public. And that's what it is. It's already public. Everything's already public. You know who Donald Trump is. We all know who he is. We all know the guy's been a playboy. The guy's out there. He's seen with supermodels. He's divorced his current wife to marry a new supermodel several times. Why is this news? Why would we think this is revelatory? All this is is throwing more red meat to the idiots who can't get enough of hatred for Donald Trump. And I just am sick of it. Move on. Talk about policy. Talk about tariffs. Talk about trade. Talk about China. Anything but this crap. Anything but this. It's just dumbing down America. It's like the reality TV scenario is just playing out where instead of talking about news because, oh, well, people change the channel for that, we're just going straight National Enquirer gossip now. Ah, It's just, it makes me sad. But maybe on the bright side, what we get out about this is if, if CNN and MSNBC are doing National Enquirer news. Hopefully, the next sex scandal to come out will be straight out of the National Enquirer because I want a Donald Trump, bat baby, actually Donald Trump love child story. I would personally believe that. I would believe that more than most things that it's been putting out right now. Son of Donald Trump, bat boy steps forward. I mean, Eric Trump, if you shave Eric Trump's head, point his ears a little bit, looks exactly like bat boy. You do the math. Have you ever seen him in the same place? I haven't. All right, let's continue on with some more Trump stuff. Uh, I got three Trump stories, and then we're going to finish up with a little bit of Bernie. Bernie Sanders and uh, the Democratic stumping for Medicare for All, which is going to cost something to the tune of $32 trillion. Trillion. Anyway, don't want to blow my load on that quite yet. All right, getting back to Trump. So Donald Trump, you might have heard that the Supreme Court ruled that 3D printing of guns is, in fact, protected freedom of speech. Thus, you cannot eliminate, you can't ban it, you can't, uh, you know, the ISPs can't, despite all the fears about net neutrality, ISPs can't go ahead and block that. So Trump now said that he is, quote, looking into 3D plastic guns, and it, quote, doesn't seem to make much sense. Now, that's interesting, because Donald Trump is a gun owner. He's cozy up with the NRA, and he says he's going to talk to the NRA, or he's spoken to the NRA, which I, who cares? The NRA is a bunch of, the NRA doesn't even protect the Second Amendment rights anywhere near as much as I would want them to. So who gives a goddamn what the NRA has to say about it? You know, hey, what? put it on a pin, 3D guns, wonderful. I, I don't care. But, but, but Trump not saying it makes much sense. How about it makes perfect sense? How about this is the free market? If you could print it at home and print your own 3D gun, and avoid having to go through regulations, having to go through countries or, or uh, not even countries, states like California and New Jersey that are trying to get rid of guns as fast as they humanly can. If you could get around that to protect your Second Amendment rights, well, that's pretty goddamn important. And saying it doesn't make much sense. What could make more sense? 
since the dawn of time, if you'll go back with me, millions of years, eons, when man first carved a stick into a point and made himself a spear to protect from the mastodons and or, uh, I don't know, chip, chip monkey people that might want to eat their brains. From the, from the dawn of time, man has said, if I can make a weapon to protect myself, I would like to opt to make a weapon to protect myself. Thus, the 3D printed gun is now the latest evolution of man being able to take his protection into his own hands. Skirt a system that is actively trying to disarm the populace in order to further control the populace, to further make a state supreme monopoly on violence. A fact of life, a fact of existence, which as we've seen in every country that's ever banned guns, by the way, and started going down this totalitarian totalitarian system route, doesn't seem to end up that well. You know, doesn't really work out too great for people when you take away the guns and then you have this uh, totalitarian government in place. And you would think, you know, again, the irony of this, you know, the the Democrats have always said, we want to get rid of the guns. And then they call Trump a Nazi and they say that Trump's a totalitarian authoritarian president. Well, shouldn't the Democrats be defending this then? Shouldn't the hashtag resist movement be supporting 3D printed guns so that we can finally get out there? And no matter what this, this psychopath Trump does, we've got our guns to protect ourselves. Where's that at? But no, no one's speaking up to protect the rights of 3D plastic guns. That makes me sad. A libertarian party, I hopefully will uh, will step up into that void. Hopefully, my boy uh, over there, Alex Merced, new vice chairman, has a few things to say about that. I hope he's doing some media appearances talking about it because I know he won't pull any punches. Unlike Nick Sorak, I don't know if Nick will step up to to protect gun rights. As uh, as you know, one of the things that really pissed me off that Nick did back in the past was posting a meme that was uh, wishy-washy supporting the marching out of students to object to Second Amendment rights for Americans. What was it called? The March for Our Lives? Uh, Way too close to the March for Life? Bad branding, David Hogg. Just like your face. Badly branded. So anyway, I just wanted to touch on that because, you know, I I don't know what he's going to try to do. He's already said, it's already been ruled that they are a right. You can't say it's under free speech. So I don't know what Donald Trump's going to try to do. I don't know what the NRA is going to do about it. Like I was saying before, the NRA, people people presume the NRA has way much more power than it does. I, You know, I'll, you'll see those Democrats attacking the NRA and saying they're a hate group and all this other garbage. Get the fuck out of here. The NRA is just a bunch of people who like guns and most of them are old as fuck. You know, there's, there's other gun movements out there that are better to join, that have more knowledge, that are more effective at campaigning for basic Second Amendment rights. The NRA, they're kowtowing to government, they're status. They're part of the machine. I'm not afraid of a cog in the wheel if I'm a Democrat. Trump knows that. All right, one more thing I want to talk about, and then I'm going to take a quick break and come on back to you, is the FBI now has started working with the Southern Poverty Law Center. The same Southern Poverty Law Center that lists Michael Bolden, uh, my uh, friend, a defender of liberty and freedom, a defender of, uh, of people that have been unjustly jailed over the drug war, a defender of people being freed from slavery by virtue of the 10th Amendment and nullifying federal slavery laws. Of course, he's listed as a Southern Poverty Law Center extremist. And now the FBI 
has deemed to team up with the Southern Poverty Law Center and supposedly work with them on identifying hate groups. So again, you've got an FBI that has been shown to be very biased, very left-leaning bias, and now they're teaming up with an organization that has no basis in reality and is essentially just a slander-slash-propaganda arm for the radical left. And nobody seems to have a problem with this. This is like the same thing as putting Peter Strzok in the FBI's hiring, uh, like their HR department. I mean, come on, man. You're, you've got a problem and you're compounding the problem. The Southern Poverty Law Center, I mean, this is just like the IRS when the IRS was targeting the Tea Party groups. What do you think the Southern Poverty Law Center is going to say? I mean, they're just going to point them at any conservative group, any libertarian group, at the Michael Boldens of the world, at Tom Woods, at yours truly. Christ, how long until I end up on that list? How long until Dave Smith ends up on that after this whole flap with the Proud Boys thing at the at the comedy club he was doing at the Creek and Cave or whatever it is? I mean, this is a road that is treacherous to walk down. And I just, I mean, you, if you actually go to the Southern Poverty Law Center and just review the groups on there, there's it's like just mind-boggling. And they've got groups on there that are charity groups. They're, they're nonprofit groups like church organizations, not the crazy people that are out telling, uh, telling gays that they're going to burn in hell. Legitimate charities that just try to help people. They go out and they tell them, oh, well, you're a hate group because you're associated in this way and that way. I mean, and they literally just make shit up. It's not vetted. It's not verified. They don't call them up and say, hey, we're examining you. Can you explain this? It is one-way slander. It is like fucking adding somebody on Twitter and then being like, boom, you're a racist. And then everybody just accepts it, though. And they are the exact same jerk-offs that you see on Twitter objecting to these type of things. So this is just, I mean, I, I can't imagine a, <laughs> a worse bearing for, uh, for America and for people that are actually fighting for basic rights and basic liberties that the FBI and the SPLC teaming up, but yet we've seen it. Just just like whatever ungodly combination created Bat Boy, Donald Trump plus Sinead O'Connor, I'm going to say, I'm going to put that out there. They were both coming up at the same time. Sinead's got the, the bald look going. Donald Trump was young and swinging at the time. She was popular, still attractive. Boom, Bat Boy. Now we've got the FBI and the SPLC teaming up. I am even more terrified of the goddamn hobgoblin-esque thing that will emerge from this pairing of two degenerate animals of the state. I mean, my God, think of the evil that is Peter Strzok's face. And now add the Jigglypuff, the... the the motivated social justice warrior that's going to emerge out of Evergreen State. Now squish those two together, and Jesus Christ, you got something that has to be killed with fire. All right, <laughs> on that happy note, I'll be right back in a minute with more Electric Liberty Land. We don't rise to the level of our expectations. We fall to the level of our training. Those epic words from Archilochus can sum up your ability to succeed or fail in business. I want to recommend Conversation Mat Time to our listeners as a way to hone your one-on-one -on -one conversation skills in a role-playing session that can help take you to the next level. During 25-minute sessions, you'll work through the best way to approach that raise, that interview, or that relationship with a practice professional that will provide the confidence and experience you need to get paid what you're worth or take that interpersonal risk you've never been able to conquer. 
Just like in jiu-jitsu, the difference between a novice and a black belt is mat time. Train to win. Visit conversationmattime.com and take advantage of a free 15-minute consultation just for listeners of this show. All right, we are back. Let's keep it on the Trump kick. Just uh, one more thing, just because I had to talk about this. Uh, The UVA has a couple of professors who resigned from a public policy uh, school or a from their positions at a school affiliated public policy center, excuse me, in protest of its recent hiring of former Trump official Mark Short. And <laughs> they wrote an op-ed for the Washington Post, because of course they did, and uh, published on Tuesday, explaining their decision to step down from the Miller Center, which is what this uh, public policy center was called. And here's what they said. They say that they argued that hiring this dude was going to, uh, well, basically to help students understand the Trump presidency, which is what he was hired for. Okay, understandable. Is like welcoming H.R. Haldeman into your university at the height of Watergate and asking him for insights into Nixon. Sure, he knows a thing or two, but is he a trustworthy guide? Now, again, I just, I can't get over the rhetoric here because still with the Russia collusion thing, Absolutely nothing has been proven. Absolutely no evidence has been presented. There is absolutely no crime called collusion, by the way. And Trump's still been in office. He's in office a full year. We've got the FBI, which has shown to be unbelievably biased. And despite all of that, we still don't have an indictment. Not of Donald Trump, anyway. What we have is indictments for people buying Facebook ads. (laughs) But yet, these people say that hiring this dude, and I know nothing about this guy, he may be a total douchebag, but they have to resign from their positions because they're so offended that this man would be brought in to give some insight into Donald Trump after working for him. So this is what my favorite part is, though, that the professor said that while they've been committed to nonpartisanship over the years and have always been willing to engage with policymakers with whom they disagree— President Trump and his administration don't deserve the same respect. And this is the quote. The Trump presidency has taken the country into uncharted waters. And I guess what that, what he means by that, this is just me talking, is, uh, you know, actually sitting down and talking to other nuclear powers. Is that what they mean? Because yes, in that case, they're right. And it has presented an especially tough challenge for scholars by breaking the norms of presidential behavior which Obama did too, again, by by going on all these stupid fucking talk shows, Uh, by breaking the norms of presidential behavior, by upending the rules of civil discourse, by casting doubt on the meaning of truth. (laughs) Did these idiots believe everything that all the other presidents said? Did they just just eat it with a spoon? Did they just think that, that presidents don't lie? All presidents do is lie, constantly. Why do you think we have a classification for documents called classified or top secret? Uh, How stupid is this letter? Okay, sorry, continue. Casting doubt on the meaning of truth and by embracing the rhetoric of racism and white supremacy. Embracing the rhetoric, guys. Trump has departed sharply from recent historical precedents. Now, let's not forget, by the way, that Obama was a motherfucking race baiter like nobody's business and loved to talk about the difference between blacks and whites, as did Eric Holder. And it was brought into the sunlight that the Department of Justice had been funding people that wanted to protest and march in favor of, uh, or I'd say, an outrage over Trayvon Martin and other instances where 
they were trying to incite people to rise up, damage property, uh, and take to the streets in regards to pure race-related matters. So you're telling me that 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 somehow Donald Trump saying that you know there's good people on both sides, which uh, or or by saying that uh, MS-13 gangs are bad, and you know the worst thing he said obviously is still the Mexicans uh, <laughs> calling them rapists, which yeah, he, yeah maybe should have done that, and I agree with him there. But it's like, give me a break. Just give me a break. And again, I don't want to get into whataboutism here. But these people, when you write something this dumb, this just, you know, I mean, all this is, again, is virtue signaling intellectual masturbation that these people are partaking in because they know they're going to get, oh, we're going to get so many kudos. Oh, my God. The Washington Post is going to run our op-ed and we're going to be famous. It's like, dude. And the UVA, by the way, is also insanely, insanely liberal. I mean, that is a pure blue bastion of progressive horseshit. And these two idiots are a prime example of why people don't believe in the educational system anymore. They don't believe in secondary education because they know that it's all run by pure leftists that have a leftist ideology and have no qualms of teaching it. And these two are history professors. They're supposed to be teaching history. But of course, you're teaching history as viewed through a very, very selective lens. So, Godspeed, I hope all of you resign. Please, more Trump appointees and cabinets to drive out these squishily soft little uh, little peanuts who just can't survive once you crack the shell. All right, let's finish up on Bernie Sanders and his Medicare for All plan, which will cost $32 trillion over 10 years. Yes. trillion a year over 10 years. And that is a conservative estimate. This is from the Mercatus Center Center at George Mason University, free market think tank. And this is basically just taking into account, it's, it's giving a pretty fair and pretty generous assessment for, okay, maybe this will streamline administrative costs, which by the way, never happens. Maybe it will cut the cost of drug prices. I still don't think that'll happen. Or I don't know. It'll 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 <laughs> somehow eliminate a lot of bureaucracy. Which again, this makes zero sense because all we've seen over history is anytime the government gets involved in something, it gets worse. When you look at college education, you look at people, you know, you look at all of the college back loans that the government provides every single time the government says, Hey, we're going to socialize this. We're going to, we're going to help provide loans for people. We're going to provide financial support for people so they can go to college. What ends up happening? Well, the cost of tuition shoots up because you know that the government's got your back and the government is going to you know, say, all right, well, we're going to pay whatever it is. If that's what you're charging, we're going to pay it. It happens time and time again. It will happen again with medical costs. And this is, so this is saying 32 trillion, presuming there are actually cost savings. Think about that. This isn't even saying, look, this is the worst case scenario. This is saying this is the best case scenario. $32 trillion in the next 10 years. And that's not even taking into account just how inefficient the government is by its very nature. There, there's zero chance you're going to save money on administrative costs because you're going to have to hire a shitload of slugs that currently, the same slugs that work in the government that you deal with every day currently that you despise, these same slugs now are going to be manning your health care. Is that what anyone wants? Do you want the, the chick at the DVD 
When you walk in there going, so what you got? You got cancer? Is that, what do you got? You got a goiter growing out of your neck? Well, I, I could set you up with an appointment, but it's going to be a few weeks. I mean, this is, what, which line, how long do you have to wait? And Bernie Sanders com- likes to compare it to countries that are vastly smaller than the United States and yet still have problems with their socialized health care. Everybody likes to talk about the UK, which has some of, by the way, the absolute worst survival rates for cancer in the fucking world. And compared to the United States, it's not even, it's like black and white. Like basically, if you have cancer, go to the UK to die. If you have cancer in the United States, your chances of living are pretty good. Or at least your chances of living longer, living another five, ten years are pretty good. In the UK, when you got the cancer, you tits up, mate. And that's it. Because what it is, is you go in, you can see a doctor. Okay, fine. You go in, you can go see a doctor, you can get your your little pills or whatever. But then, if you want to see any sort of specialist, you're completely fucked. And there was just a recent article that came out, basically spelling out that exact thing. That they have the longest wait in the last 10 years, and the longest wait, by the way, ever, in the UK, to see a specialist ever in the history of the country right now. Because what happens? Well, everybody goes to see their little doctor. Fine. But what happens when you have serious? Well, now we have way too many people and everybody's got same access. So the queue builds up and whoops, now we don't have enough specialists. We got way more cancer than we do cancer surgeons. You know, we don't have enough people that can, we don't, not off, uh, God, I'm totally blank on the name of it. Not ophthalmologist, not orthopedist. Ah, this is going to drive me nuts. Oncologists. See, guys, I knew I would get there. You just had to wait for the train to get into the station. We don't have enough oncologists. So what ends up happening is that people just get in the queue and they jam up to the door. It's like, it's basically, imagine going to China and trying to get on the subway. Everyone has equal access to the subway, so everybody tries to jam in all at once. What ends up happening? Well, there's still only one subway car, guys. No matter how many people you have trying to get into it, there's still only one subway. And some of you are just going to have to die. And that's what happens in the UK. And that's, of course, not even to mention what I've brought up before on this show several times is just the issues of not being able to actually take your children out of a hospital to get them care in another country because the government decides that Well, it's not worth the cost, or we don't think that the child will survive. So we feel that your child's mortality rate is too high. Thus, you no longer have the option to take your child anywhere else to get help, even if you pay for it on your own. That's sick and sad. So Bernie Sanders wants to introduce that to all of us. He wants to be Medicare for all. And meanwhile, people that are poor already have Medicaid. So the worst of us are already taken care of. And as Rico postured one time as a possible solution to this issue would be to give people that do have a major illness access to Medicare. And while I don't like that idea because I don't like having the government involved with anything, that to me would be a better stopgap. And that would say, but as a condition, if we want to have Medicare for all or Medicare for those who are, uh, who are sick and can't get insurance, and there has to be proof that you can't get insurance, by the way. It's not just like, okay, you take a claim. No, proof that you can't get insurance. If the government's going to take on this very, very specific special illness, it's going to have to take money, extra money, out of your salary, just the same way the IRS takes money out of your your salary. 
You get more money taken out of your salary to pay for it. And also, as a trade-off, you open up and you get the fuck out of Medicare. Get out of it. You pull back all the regulations. You pull back the cartelized system that you've created, which, you know, Mark just had somebody on his show talking about the cartelized medical system that's a doctor. Pull out. Man, pull up your tent spikes, get the fuck out of there. And as a trade-off, okay, now we can have Medicare for those who are sick and absolutely cannot get insurance. Fine. I'll take it as a stepping stone because once you free that market up, once we see medical costs drastically drop, and now granted, I even acknowledge the fact that by having government give these sick people the medical care, we're still providing a prop for the cardinal system. We're still propping up the bullshit that is uh, that is antithesis to the free market. But I think that if we get the free market out there, we show how it works for everyday people, you're going to have so, such a drop in prices and you're going to have transparency in prices. You can actually shop around. Not like now where it's with secondary payer so you don't see shit and you get charged for all these different bells and whistles because they actually are enticed to spend more money because if they the more money you spend, the more money they get back. So Bernie Sanders, keep being a fucking idiot. There's no way, no way the American people are going to go for this. Especially, I think, you know, we talk about the debt, how the debt's a forgotten issue on both sides of the table. You know, the Democrats clearly don't care. And the Republicans, for all their bluster, don't give a flying fuck either. So there's an opportunity for libertarians to step up there and say, we want to own the issue of the debt. The debt, the Fed, the war on drugs, foreign policy. Those are your issues. And the Second Amendment. Those are our issues. We're going to own them. We're going to bring this country back. We're going to make this country to the point where we don't have to fear that it's going to collapse inward on itself, which is definitely a worry and a concern because that's what brings down empires, guys. It's not getting conquered. No one's ever going to conquer America. Thanks to the Second Amendment, number one. Thanks to our economic power, number two. No one wants to mess with the bear that keeps pulling salmon out of the stream and shoving them down your throat. And America is that bear. That's why people put up with all our horse shit. But what can destroy us is extending ourselves too much in foreign policy and spending ourselves into the ground. By spending, by devaluing our own currency, by getting to the point where our debt is going to mount and mount and mount to the point where we can't build it up anymore, that is going to bring America down. So Bernie Sanders... Go ahead, push your push your uh, your healthcare for all through, and then when we have a society where we have absolutely currency that is devalued, like Venezuela style, and uh, we don't have money to wipe our asses, let alone pay for bandages, we'll see how everything works out. But on the bright side, the extra baggy suits Bernie Sanders wears around will probably protect him from the cold, harsh winters when we don't have any gas to heat the houses. So in that regard, he's really planned ahead. All right, my friends, that's going to do it for me. Apologize for the uh, short episode. Ah, like I said, it's been crazy busy, and now I got to I got to rock out and go meet a friend who's in from out of town. So no rest for the wicked. Ah, I may do an extra show for our patrons. I don't know. I have to see how much time I have. I'm also going out of town this weekend. But uh, patrons, I feel like uh, I do owe you guys a bonus show of some nature. So expect that coming soon. And uh, for the rest of you, join the pride, become a patron, support this show, get all sorts of crazy, cool shit. And you know that you want it. In fact, you need it. You need a mainliner right into your veins. So guys, also Reiner, listen to Mark Claire on Mondays. He just did a round table with uh, Jason Stapleton, Tom Woods, Dave Smith, Mance Raider. And am I forgetting anybody? I think that's it. <laughs> 
But they're talking about why they joined the Libertarian Party. It's a pretty interesting conversation. Of course, John Odermatt on Fridays with Thony Fridays examining all of the injustice in the ironically named criminal justice system. And me, every Wednesday, your little loving cuddlebug. So guys, from me, Brian McWilliams, from Electric Liberty Land, and from the Lions of Liberty, always stay plugged into Liberty. Liberty.